Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Nolan. Nolan, it's episode 99 of the main show. It's a wonderful podcast. What the hell's going on? Are we celebrating with 99 ice creams? 99 ice creams, 99 bottles of beer on the wall... 99. 99 problems on a bitch ain't one. Oh, okay. Well, yes, that well, the good start that was. Yes, exactly. We have 99 problems, and each one of the problems is actually one of these movies. That's the, been the whole joke for the whole series. Yeah, we've only we got just managed to make problems, it. But film taste ain't one. Occasionally, it is though. <laughs> very rare, very rare. But it sometimes, sometimes it is. Hello, though, everyone. Welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. Like I said, episode 99. I'm Morgan. That is Nolan. And today... Well, today we have another Universal Monster movie, although it's not what you would usually think of necessarily when you think of a Universal Monster movie. Maybe because I put Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera into the Universal Monster movies instead of this one. We are, of course, talking about Phantom of the Opera today, but it isn't Lon Chaney's from 1925, because we already talked about that on the main show. That was, that was a me and Janine episode that we did a few months back. Today we're talking about 1943's Phantom of the Opera, with Claude Rains as the Phantom. Um, uh, yeah, I, I should be crazy. straight up honest with this. Uh, originally, we were going to do Doctor No as this episode. Oh, that's true, that's but, true, yes. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard the news about the latest Bond movie being delayed due to public health concerns. I shouldn't have to remind you of this, but wash your fucking hands. Take care of yourself. <laughs> you uh, know, if that's... you feel sick, please give yourself some time off. Your your company should let you do that. As uh, we've had, we're getting some confirmed cases of the old COVID nineteen around the UK now. We are, we are. The, it's it's. It's, it's look. It, it's it's affecting people. We we've got to be safe. I think to be perfectly honest, though, like you've just said, if people actually do keep good hygiene, then we'll be fine. It should do. Yeah, I I don't know the effects of the the whole illness, but uh, do look after yourselves. Oh, look and after for yourself. the love of God. Uh, I was working at a race course last week, and we weren't allowed to sell Corona beer. I mean. It... Yeah, because people I mean, are idiots. People are idiots. Look, people are idiots. We're no experts on this. All we will say is pretty much it's the same thing that we always wish, is that just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. We know there's a lot of craziness going around right now, and there's a lot of stuff you'll see, and m- most of it isn't true. Um, take care of yourself, as always. And yeah, like Nolan says, wash your goddamn hands, people. So... What's up with you? Yep. There are some 30-second <laughs> choruses of songs you can hum to yourself whilst doing it, because I had someone complain that washing their hands took too long. Oh, mm-mm. Don't. I, mm. Look, I don't agree. I don't, I don't, I don't like. I don't like that. I don't like that. These people, these people aren't, I'm sorry, I'm going to get, I'm going to get into it. I don't want to get into it. These people aren't washing their hands. What is wrong with them? Uh, yeah. And especially what do, what do as they... uh, we have a cause for celebration, I just got a job in the Witherspoon's kitchen, so I will be washing my hands a fucking lot. Yes, you will. Especially if you work in a kitchen. 
It's all it's Indeed. all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Um, so if I ever yeah. come back to see you again, I'll bring my fifty percent discount with me. Oh, lovely. I mean, do we need do we need a fifty percent discount in Weatherspoons anyway? It's so cheap. I mean, if you want to go for like a nice steak dinner or something. Oh sure. Isn't that nice to know? Guys, get on to Nolan and ask for your ask for your uh, store discount. Pope discount, I should say. Anyway, this movie, Nolan, 1943's The Phantom of the Opera. I'm, uh, I, I'll say it is, uh, it's the least Phantom of the Opera thing I've seen that is still Phantom of the Opera, if that makes any sense. That does make sense to me. I mean, as I know, The Phantom of the Opera is this kind of tragic musical about this character who just loves music. Whereas this movie, it has that element, but it's done more like a slasher film. Look, it is. I mean, the 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 book which I have, by the way, now finished. That was a point of controversy in the last oh. episode. Me and Janine did talking about a, a, an adaptation of Phantom of the Opera. Was that oh, I had you read? You were the adaptation snob now. Apparently, apparently so. I had read the book. I had not finished the book. I have now finished the book. So, um, what I, what I, what I, and that's what I mean when I say um, this is the least Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Opera movie I've seen, because it's basically got nothing to do with the book at all, and very little to do with the with the uh, Lon Chaney movie as well. It oh, is like you say. It it feel it does feel like a slasher. I think Claude Claude Rains is still Claude Rains doing great Claude Rains stuff. But is it is it the only thing it has in common with the Phantom of the Opera is the very fact that someone is terrorizing the opera house, and the two leads are called Christine and Raoul. That's it. Yeah, it's an in name only adaptation. I mean, pretty much it's as, yeah, pretty much. It's got, there's there's almost no story, but I think the only story point that I can remember that is also in, in the book is the fact that Christine has to step in, or, or, or Christine steps into the star role in the opera because of the Phantom's influence. That's pretty much it. There's there's very little there's very little of a detective story about this movie. There's very little there's there's surprisingly little horror for me. I feel maybe I just didn't feel that so much. I still very much enjoyed the movie. What I did feel was that it was way more of a musical. It had so much opera in it. I liked that about it. I liked the. Uh, the take it had on this story, on this idea, but it just felt a little too, um, a little too far away from Phantom of the Opera, to me. That's totally fair. I mean, uh, it, it. I guess you could view it as being sort of a different take on the material. I mean, we did just see a movie released recently that is nothing like the original novel, but is a smart reimagining of the Absolutely. novel. We can talk about that a little bit later, but I guess you could see this version of Phantom of the Opera as that. This is like the sort of 
creepy slasher take on it, whereas the Lon Chaney one's the more traditional take. Yeah. And then I've not seen the, uh, I mean, I imagine the Robert England one is very gory and bloody <laughs> and probably awful. Well, I, I haven't, haven't seen the Joel Schumacher one either. But look, there's a lot of them. I mean, I know the Joel Schumacher one is a, it's an adaptation of the musical, of the stage musical rather than the book. The Phantom of the Opera's got such a weird history as a story because the the musical is so different from the book as well. And the musical is usually what people think when they think of Phantom of the Opera. Um, and obviously the musical has had movie adaptations of the musical and the book has had musical uh, has had movie adaptations of the book. There's just so many different versions of Phantom of the Opera floating around. My, it's tough to find one that works. Of, my first version of this was actually the Goosebumps book, Phantom of the Auditorium. Okay. Which is pretty much the exact same story, but it's in a middle school auditorium putting on a play of Phantom of the Opera. I like that. I like that. It's 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 self-referential, presumably. Yes, very much. I like it. I like it. But Nolan, this this movie, what you said it was a slasher, or you said it yeah, felt it most feels like a, a lot slasher. like a slasher. How yeah, so? You have the kind of like the disfigured killer going around in a mask, stalking people from a distance. Has his own little uh, backstory as to how he became like that but the only difference is we get to spend a bit of time with the character before he takes that turn whereas in a traditional slasher it would be here's the killer and we find out the backstory later yeah this is more like it's half tragic shakespearean tale half slasher in the way that the phantom is represented because he's just he feels what he's doing is right he's going around killing people that he sees as a threat to his career and you sympathize with him because after 20 years of service, the guy's he's losing the feeling in his hands. He can't play yeah. as well anymore. He's a violin they, player in this movie, yeah. And uh, like all corporations, they basically tell him to fuck off. <laughs> I mean, they don't say it quite as aggressively, but yes, they do. They, yeah, um, and, I'm, uh, I'm he sorry. Doesn't have, he doesn't have money either because uh, he's been using it to help shadow this singer that he's in love with. So it's very yes. much a, I've lost everything. What do I have now? I'm going to become a murderer kind of thing. Yeah. So that felt very slashery to me. Yeah, it's it's also very different to the actual or the original Phantom of the Opera in which, of course, the, the Phantom or the Opera Ghost is the Phantom from the very start. There's no little let's get to know Claude Rains before he turns into this killer. It's just the Phantom's the Phantom. We'll learn about him as we try and figure out the mystery of him throughout the story. Um, there's very, And that's what I mean when I say there's very little of that in this movie. Because we don't need to, because we already know about Claude Rains, because we've seen it in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. We we get the we get the tragedy of him. That's what I think it does really well. It does paint him as a very very tragic figure, and I think every Phantom of the Opera adaptation or and the original as well does that and tries to do that, um, because ultimately he is. He might be a little bit of a kind of evil person in some adaptations compared to others. I think in the book it's a little more 
tragic and romantic. He just kind of wants to be loved. He goes about it in terrible ways. But that's ultimately what you get from it. In Lon Chaney, he's a little bit more of a monster. Yep. Um, with that same sort of a little bit of a little bit of a love element, but it's it's way less so in that in in that twenties in that silent movie. Um, but in this one, you get more of the romance of it. Yeah. But also, I, yes, I, Claude Rains becomes a murderer. I think I prefer the look of the Lon Chaney one by far. Oh, it's, it's a difficult. It's a difficult. Um, oh, you mean the Phantom himself? Yeah, the the look of how the Phantom looks in that one is a lot more. I mean, when I saw the reveal in this one, it kind of looked like those advertisements you get on really cheap Halloween kits. I I don't disagree. And look, Lon the the Lon the the look of Lon Chaney's Phantom is unbelievably iconic in the world of horror. It's just, it go, that goes without saying, and the fact that, you know, he crafted that look himself from his own makeup kit and applied it to himself is just absurd and outrageously impressive. I do prefer the look of the Phantom in the Lon Chaney version, but this movie, this movie won Oscars for cinematography and art direction. This movie is a ridiculously grand, lavish production. The way it's it, shot is beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful to look at. Um, it, look, and it's like I said, it's in glorious technicolor, and it, which is unusual for, on the surface, what what appears to be a monster movie, or like you said, almost a slasher style movie. Um. To, to have it in bright, glorious Technicolor, to me, made it feel very, very much like a musical that just had that little bit of horror in the background. Added to that, all the opera scenes, scenes of actual opera being sung, which, you, to be fair, you don't get too much of in other adaptations, apart from, obviously, the stage musical. But, you know, there's, there's not too much singing, obviously, in the silent movie. No, and there's not. There's, no, there's not too many opera, actual opera scenes in the, uh, in the original book, apart from one, in particular that wasn't in this movie, where uh, I think Carlotta, the original singer, who Christine has to step up for, um, she gets basically. Uh, the Phantom basically makes her, makes her voice break on stage when she's singing and it turns into a quack quack like that it's kind of it's kind of really well written in the book that whole scene um like everybody's just horrified um and that that is in the the 20s version as well uh, but it wasn't in this one and i really liked that and i really missed it in this one but then i, I realized that, that be, it wasn't the same story that would be more interesting story wise like you in that, you can get into sort of themes of stage fright and, uh, you know, like the stress of being a performer and everything. Because you see Ooh, that yeah. taking its toll on uh, the Phantom in this one. Yeah. I don't really see it as much with the female lead. She seems pretty on top of things. That is true. That is very true. She she does. Christine in, in this does kind of seem 
very it's it's an unusual it's a very different version of christine because christine's usually she is a, a little bit frightened all the time she her romance her romantic choices basically are raul and the phantom rather than in this movie in in this movie we're talking about it's raul who by the way is also a completely different character in the original he's a viscount so you know he's a really fancy dude in this one he's what an inspector something like that yeah um and this this guy what's his name armand who's the lead who's the the male lead of the opera um that's her they're her sort of that's where the romance battle is here the phantom's almost a, just a a, a third person who's just going, oh, I'm, I'm not interested in these two people. I'm just interested in Christine. I'm just going to cause havoc because I can't have Christine. It's just an unusual... I don't, it's not unusual. It's just a different adaptation that I just had to get my head around. This was very similar to what I was like with The New Invisible Man. I had to sit on it for a little bit in order for me to realise that it's actually very, very good. It's just not the original story. Now you know how I feel when I see bad adaptations that are also good movies. You know how I feel about The Shining now. That's ex- Do you know what? That's exactly what this is. It's a terrible adaptation that's a great movie. It really is. I can't, I can't dislike this movie. There's nothing to dislike about this movie. All the performances are great. Like we said, Claude Rains... Claude Rains is always great. It's Claude Rains. Well, I think and, uh, I think I would say Claude Rains is like the Gary Oldman of his time. He was that just that really weird, kooky character ooh. actor. Do you know what? That's a good shout. I like that shout. Yes. Well done. Well done, Nolan, with your accurate acting comparisons. Well done. Well done. I'm, that's the one thing I'm good at. What else is to love about this movie, Nolan? I think there's some sequences that are really quite terrifying. Uh, when you get to the acid thrown on him, and it's kind of like this wail of pain. Like, you really feel pity for him. And then it's like, um, well, we know how people would react if they saw that back in that time. So he's descending down into the sewer. And I've always found stories interesting where they talk about people who like live underground and like the people who are forgotten by society and things like that. It's almost like an allegory for poverty in that way i mean that's what i like about neil gaiman's book neverwhere that's what i like about a lot of marvel villains who live underground and it's it's strange it's like um being there is like a place of solitary for him and that's Mm. what artists need it's what they kind of love but there's also an element of tragedy to it that even though he's underneath there doing what he loves realistically he can never join the world again so it's like He's making art for the sake of making art, but no one will ever get to hear it. And that's one of the things the Phantom wants, is he wants recognition for what he does. Yeah, and that that's look, that's the same in every version of the story. The Phantom's always got his his opera that he's writing and refuses to let anybody hear. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what it's... Does it have a name in this one? Or does it just keep being referred to as, that's my concerto? Pretty much, well, I, yeah. Um, I thought it was quite the, funny when he confronted the guy who stole his music. Yes. I mean, we don't want to annoy the Phantom of the Opera. 
It won't end well if you annoy the Phantom of the Opera. No, sampling was not a thing back then. The music <laughs> industry would later use that so many times. I'm just imagining like a modern artist who got their song sampled going up to him like that this scene in Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> I, Fa- I, uh... Fat boy Slim going up to every modern rapper. You stole my music. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to... Uh... Do you know what? That would be... Speaking of speaking of what we've just seen with the Invisible Man, what if they really modernised Phantom of the Opera and just made it about music theft? The music in- actually, yeah, I'd be down to see that. Lee Winnell, if you're looking for something else to adapt, there you go. Yeah, I mean, look, if 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 we're entrusting Lee Winnell with all the Universal monsters these days, which after Invisible Man, I think we probably are, then why why not do Phantom as well? Why not do Phantom? really modernized as a guy who's who just a tragic guy a ghostwriter m- of songs yeah, and stuff you can love me yeah a ghostwriter of songs even then, who just, ghostwriter phantom it works it's perfect the guy just loves music and but never gets any recognition for anything that he's doing he's in love with somebody but she's just like and tries to help her, and tries to help her from behind the scenes, but nobody ever knows he exists. And what I want to see is a torture chamber like the one he has in the book. Get Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, you can make it a Star is Born reunion. <laughs> Brad- Bradley Cooper is a Phantom of the Opera. I'd be down. Bradley Cooper's a little... The thing is, this is what the musical has done to people. A Phantom of the Opera should not be handsome. And look, Claude Rains is handsome as well. The Phantom of the Opera should be horrendously disfigured, like he is in Lon Chaney. Mm-hmm. Um, he I, should not I, be well, handsome di- Gerard Butler. Like no, he should not be handsome Gerard. Gerard. No, exactly, exactly. What I do like, another thing that I do like about, about this version, is the fact that they got the mask right as well. The mask is supposed to cover the whole face up to the mouth. Not yeah, this so half-nonsense... Not this half-white nonsense thing that we see from the musical. That's not what the Phantom of the Opera's mask is. The Phantom of the Opera's mask covers the whole face. Fucking hell, re- Andrew Lloyd Webber. Well, the only reason, the only reason that the musical just has the half has the half face mask was because the people can't sing through it, and they need to be able to sing through it, and that's become so iconic now that that's what people think of. But if you go back and Lon Chaney wears that mask as well, he wears the full mask all the way down to the face. Claude Rains does it, and the book version does it. So he applause for full mask use. Well done, full mask. Well done, well Even, done, guys. Honestly, were was I the only one getting Zorro vibes from the shadows of him? <laughs> um, no, no, I see what you mean. I can definitely see what you mean. It's a little bit Zorro-y. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know, what puss in boots with a hat and everything. <laughs> there's, there's, I'm, just, there's... I'm just imagining Antonio Banderas as the Phantom now. <laughs> Think, again, Antonio Banderas, far too handsome. Far too handsome for the Phantom of the Opera. Sure. Um, what I... What I, I was just... I don't know. I can't. For some reason, I can't get past just missing all the all of my favorite scenes 
from this story. Um, the chandelier falling down, the it isn't there, and the the mask ball isn't there. Uh, like I said, the the torture chamber isn't there. Which, when I say torture chamber, it's really just a a, a room full of mirrors where the Phantom keeps people there to drive them insane. Because um, they just they can't get out and they don't know where the door is and they can just hear him. Um, there's just so the chandelier uh, falling down not in the book. No, the chandelier falling down is in the book. Well, it's in this movie too. He cuts it like near the end. Yeah, it's near the end, but in the book it's like a third of the way through. It's like right, the first so they, they, big thing. They change the structure of it as well. Yeah, it's like the first big thing he does. Uh, he, he just kind of gets annoyed at the opera directors and turns up at this masked ball they're putting on, dressed as the Red Death from Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death. Of course. And with with, with his mask on and cuts the chandelier and kills people. And that's that's it. That's his. And that's when people are going, "Oh God, we're going to have to shut the opera. It's terrible. What we're going to do? This opera ghost is real. Oh no. Oh no." But like we said, this movie isn't inter- is, This movie isn't interested in being faithful to the Phantom no. of the Opera. And I think I think I have to get over that. I'm it's I'm, I'm even, sitting too much the, on not that. The ghostly thing either. It's like we said no. before. It's more of a slasher kind of thing. No. This guy went missing. It's it's more like um, it's more like yeah, like you said, it's more like a slasher. It's not got the sp- sort of spiritual element of it. I mean, the, the 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 Phantom is never a spirit anyway. But I don't know. I don't know. I just think I need to get over the fact that it's not a. Accurate. You, you don't adaptation. have to get over it. I mean, I I've still not gotten over The Shining, and I probably never will. I know, but you at least. Um, well, yes, I suppose, and I and I do like this movie. I mean, this movie this movie was great, doing what it did, which was essentially, I think, being a an opera musical. Um, with that little bit of of horror, in it, so yeah. I've got to I've got to applaud the movie for doing that. Yeah, definitely, and it it is a good movie. Claude Rains is excellent. The whole cast is really great. They uh, are. I'm, yeah, they are. I like the, I like the kind of little bits of humor between Raoul and Armand or An- Anatoly. You might be called actually. Um, the obviously the two guys fighting for Christine's uh, affection. They have they have a little bit of humor, those two. They kind of they're all speaking at the same time and trying to do the exact same thing and just kind of getting annoyed with each other. It's kind of funny. They they both also have wonderful mustaches, which means which means Nolan uh, that one of them is going in the mustache hall of fame because of course we we as a rule only put one person per movie into the mustache hall of fame. That is just the principle of the whole situation. So, I mean, they both have very similar moustaches. However, my favourite moustache of the two of them was the guy who played Raoul's. So we are inducting Mr. Edgar Barrier or Barrier into the Moustache Hall of Fame. Applause for Edgar Barrier. Applause, applause. Well done, Edgar. 
into the Mustache Hall of Fame you go. Uh, it's been a, it's still it's been a great run for the Mustache Hall of Fame lately. I feel like an episode isn't going by where somebody doesn't go into the Mustache Hall of Fame. It's been such good I mustaches. Really, I really want us to cover a movie where everyone has a mustache and it's so hard to pick. What, didn't we do that? What 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 did me and Janine talk about last week? Oh God, I'm sure everybody had a mustache in it. I'm sure. Oh no, it was the Lady Vanishes. They did. It was the late Hitchcock's The Lady Vanishes. Literally everyone had a mustache. Oh, you must Every, have like exploded. Every man in that movie had a mustache. Because it's, it's British and it was in the 30s. Literally everybody did have a mustache. If we ever cover like any Agatha Christie stuff on it, I mean, that's obvious. We're going to get Poirot exactly. into the flame. Exactly. Everybody has a mustache. To be fair, Poirot. I mean, we, we've never we've never done a Poirot movie. One of them, we have to do one of them because, quite frankly, it's a travesty that Hercule Poirot is not in the Mustache Hall of Fame. But that is Maybe also when, the pr- uh, when the Death of the Nile is coming out, we'll do a Poirot. Yeah, I think that's fair because there isn't yeah, the 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 starting up the whole Agatha Christie universe again. It'll turn into a universe, you know full well. It'll turn into a universe. Uh, yeah. crossover with Sherlock Holmes. Uh... Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not have them crossover? It could work. I have faith in detective story. Who makes those movies? What company is it? Um, I don't. I can't. I think it's Focus Features that did Murder on okay. the Orient Express. Okay. Well, I, I yeah. don't know what studio it is though. Get yourself a universe. Is it universe? I want to say it's Universal. Paramount? If it was, then that would be great. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing at this point. Um, I don't so know. speaking of Universal, um, where <laughs> yes. would this where would does this sit amongst like our favorite Universal monster stuff? Right. Yes. Yeah. So so we're classing we're classing this as a full Universal monster movie. Um, in the same. Yeah, because it is is in the same vibe as. All the Dracula's and Frankenstein's and Invisible Man's and what have you. Yeah. It's difficult because it's so different. Where does it rank for you? I feel it's... I feel the movie's very ambitious, to be honest. Because... Yeah. Picture this... Picture being back in the 40s. Like, uh, imagine we've all... We all grew up loving Lon Chaney's version. We've heard it's getting a reboot to fit into this Universal Monsters thing. Essentially, it's like the Spider-Man homecoming of its world. you're not you're not in a weird way in the weirdest way possible that is very accurate (laughs) yeah so it so i imagine it also would have uh got a lot of hate from fans back then like hardcore fans who hate that uncle ben's (laughs) not in the new movies from the newspaper from the newspapers oh universal are making a remaking the the phantom of the opera we already have them doing the lon cheney version why are they doing it again oh wait a minute they've cast claude rains this might be good yep uh oh yeah he was great in the invisible man this might be pretty great but the Invisible Man was ten years ago. What if Lon Chain? What if what if Claude Rains has lost it? Oh no! Wait, that's right. He's been in every good movie of the last ten years. Casablanca. As far as like rating these goals, I'd say Phantom of the Opera's in the middle section for me. Yeah, I think it's fair. I, it's so different to the twenty-five version. I find it really hard to compare. 
what I do like about I do what I do love about the twenty five version is that it feels like a horror movie, and what I do love about this version is that it feels like a musical. They're just two different stories that have the same yeah. concept. I um, should really read the book. You really should. Oh, you really should. You'd like it. It's a little bit kind of. And I said maybe this was the translation, because obviously it's French book. Um, it's not the easiest structured thing in terms of its, you know, the way it's written. But you'll get through it. It's not long. Well, I've it's... read Stephen King books. I'm fine with weird structure. No, it's not. It's not like the structure of the story. It's the. It's almost the structure of paragraphs and the structure of sentences. It's just kind of okay. Is it like verse? No, I don't. It's it's difficult to describe because it's not really long. It's not like it's long winded either. It's to the point. I I think. No, maybe maybe. No, I don't know. I was gonna say then that maybe it was originally serialized. You know, because, like, you end up repeating things over and over again. Yeah. It, like a serialised book would do. Um, there was a little bit of that, but I don't know if it was serial. I wouldn't imagine it was serialised, maybe into, like, two volumes or something like that. I don't remember. I don't know. But you should read it. It's a good book. It's a great horror story. No, I'll, t- I'll take a look for it. And, look, there's more. that's why I think it's it's had the variety of adaptations that it's had. Because it, it is a horror story, but it is a romance story, but it is a detective story as well. It's all three, and it balances it pretty well. That's why I think it's it can have such these such this amount of variety in adaptation styles. I don't know. I'm into that. Yeah, do it. Read it. You like reading, Nolan. We all know that. Indeed. Where this would sit for me in the in the in the rankings of the Universal Monster movies, um, like I said, I, I, I agree it being in the in the middle section. I I think I honestly prefer it to Black Lagoon. Yeah, I can as a see movie. That. As a movie. Um I mean, you've got your Draculas, your Frankenstein's, your Invisible Man's, that your Wolfman's, that your mummies that are just up there, completely. Yeah, it's, it's not better than I don't, you know, it's not better than any of those. And in my head, I prefer Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera. But mm-hmm. look, is it better than? Is it a better movie than something like Son of Frankenstein? Or, you know, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah, it is. It's a better movie than those movies. Is it more fun? In some parts, but not really. It's a good movie. It's just such a different movie. But it it fully deserved. Look, it fully deserved the Oscars it got for its for the way it looks. I can't deny that it is a beautiful movie to watch. Um. Aesthetically, visually. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, 
I, I yeah, it's not it's not in the top three for me. It's definitely in the middle of the road. I'd say like my top three are like The Mummy, Invisible Man, and probably Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. And then I this mean, is like four or five. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's always difficult to rank things as well, especially when things are so different from one another. About the um, about the reveal scene in this movie, uh, which obviously the most famous Phantom of the Opera reveal is also Lon Chaney. Um, yeah. But that and yeah, that happens quite early on, really. Um, but obviously in this movie, it doesn't. We don't see actually what Claude Rains looks like under the mask until pretty much the end. Um, but obviously, in this version, we've seen regular Claude Rains before he even gets disfigured in the first place. So it's it's got that vibe to it. It's almost, and you won't like this, is it a little bit Jason Voorhees? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is it a little bit... Is it a little bit Freddy Krueger? Because Freddy Krueger, regular dude gets burnt by evil children so comes back in their dreams to kill them is claude reigns secretly freddy krueger no no but robert england did go on to play the phantom it all fits nolan it all fits (laughs) what's going on why does this all fit i don't know am i just rambling now more or less. I mean, we're all we all get to the rambling stages around this stage of the episode, but we do. We, we, it's we, a it's a very to. good movie. It is. What else? What else do we want to say? What else? What else? Uh, piqued your intrigue while watching this movie? I think the uh, the end scene where uh, you see the Phantom die is pretty well done for something of the time. It looks very realistic. Usually, it would just look kind of silly, someone being crushed by rocks back in that time, but I actually believe they full-on crushed the actress, the actor, yeah. I mean, that would be that'd be a little harsh to do. Imagine crushing an actual human being just for... Imagine people actually doing that. Stuntmen. Stuntmen Do stuntmen actually get crushed by rocks? Tom Cruise probably does. Yeah, I'd like, I'd believe it. I'd believe it. Sure. Why? 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 Why the hell not? Why the hell not? Look, though. I mean, I don't really know what. It, look, it's not. A, it's not a long movie. It's it's a it's a very and like I said, it's a very simple movie. We say this about every Universal monster film, and I think now we that do. we've kind of reached the end of that, we can confidently say Universal monster movies are simple, popcorn fun. With a lot of added f- cinema elements that can tickle the fancy of a lot of film students as well. Look, they're all they're all they're all beautiful movies to look at. I think um, you even go as you know as far back as as you can still say that to to the twenties. But and really, really, obviously, the start with with Dracula in in thirty one. Beautiful to look at movie. What it does bring, what they always do bring, is iconic images. And while I think this version of Phantom of the Opera 
has the least iconic images of all of them because it's kind of this sort of it's the second go at phantom of the opera and it's just a completely different style um what it does have is another phenomenal performance from claude rains who consistently gives phenomenal performances in everything great performances surrounding him as well from everybody there um but just this just this very interesting and different and like you know m movies hadn't seen a different take on phantom of the opera until this movie so we've got to you know we've got to give it credit for being bold like you said before for being bold enough to go a completely different direction with it um i don't know maybe the people maybe the people at universal felt after the wolfman because you've got to think as well this is 1943 so this is after the wolfman they don't have another original monster until black lagoon in 54 um this is the time when you're starting to throw frankenstein meets the wolfman out there you're starting to throw abbott and constello stuff out there um so it's start this is this is the sort of parody era of universal monster movies that starts really with sort of <laughs> starts in the early mid 40s um and goes all the way through until we get black lagoon is again to sort of end the whole cycle but this one fits in a really really interesting time because you could call it i mean it's not a parody but it's almost the first of the parody movies because it's just a different take. Because obviously, it's like Abbott and Costello, yeah. Abbott and because obviously Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is a different take on Frankenstein. It's just a comedic movie and a and a, and a parody movie of its of itself. Um, I just I'm I'm kind of fascinated and i'm trying to get my head around the fact that just maybe why this movie came out exactly in 1943 and why it was the way it was and i think it, it probably kicked off universal trying to do different things with their you know with the characters they were putting in the horror movies i think it probably kicked off that um, which, you know, led us into those more comedic ones as the 40s went on. Um, but also, maybe Universal just wanted to make a musical version of The Phantom of the Opera before the musical version of The Phantom of the Opera ever came out. Thank you, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't know. I'm not sure. Huh. I dare say we'll definitely get a new version of this story at some point. How would you do it? How would you do it? Would uh, like you do it in that before, music, I'd, music way? I'd modernize it, yeah. I think it would be really fun that way. And with, are we uh, sticking I mean, there's the, with... There's no use in uh, trying to make it the exact same as it's been before. It's like you've got countless movies like that. And like yeah. The Invisible Man made me realize, okay, take the concept, 
do something different with it. That way it'll be more memorable. Yeah, and I think, look, I think this new Invisible Man is going to be way more memorable for having done something totally different. Yeah, um, it, it'll be way more different than something like a Hollow Man, which is does not really hold up very well. No, and it's it's basically the same sort of story. And yes, look, watching that Invisible Man, did I miss the fact that it was in a tiny English village? Did I miss the fact that Una O'Connor was screaming a head off every five seconds about the Invisible Man? Did I miss Claude Rains laughing maniacally and waving his hands in the air and wearing sunglasses? Yes, I missed all of that. But did I realise that this was kind of the perfect modernization of the Invisible Man story? Yeah, because it kind of was. And look, when I, when it first happened, when I first realised that the whole idea behind that was the, the cameras and that he was an optics uh, genius and the suit was entirely made from cameras that turned him invisible was, was i kind like of something like out of metal gear solid well yeah i mean it, it felt a little video game-ish the concept of it and was i saying to myself in the cinema oh i wish it was a potion again yeah sure i was but ultimately did it make sense that it wasn't yeah if it had have been a potion it would have felt a little out of place in that movie yeah so you know? uh I think you can look at both the Mummy and the Invisible Man as lessons on how to do these movies. The Mummy, you see, the Mummy is clearly trying to be the old movie and mm. trying to have this weird modern mix that just doesn't quite work. But the Invisible Man just takes the premise and reimagines it into something completely new with like its own themes, its own ideas, its own everything, and it works. That makes me want to see. I I've told you about this before, Shirley. Uh, Clive Barker, who did Hellraiser. Yes. Had a pitch for The Mummy back in the 90s that was incredible that he never okay. got to make because Universal thought it was too risky. Yeah, and they went with the action movies the... of Brendan Fraser. Yeah, which are fine Which people movies, like, but... which pe- people really like those movies and they're fine, you know, they're, 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 good, ac- they're good action adventure movies. Um, like but, we said, uh, Clive Barker's the... was way more horror influenced. That's what we need. That's what we need, and that's what I, that's what really pleased me about the new Invisible Man was that it was such a such a good horror film, such a good horror movie, and kept that concept of a man who is invisible. And I know we were we were worried because we said it on this show. We were worried when because we hadn't seen anything, we hadn't read into anything. We were worried that the Invisible Man, as an Invisible Man, didn't even exist in this movie. We were worried Thankfully it was just did. sort of imagination, but no, there was an invisible man in this movie, and I I, I loved the fact that there was one. It yeah, was. I can't wait to pick up the Blu-ray of that. Oh, I know, right? Oh, horror's in such a good place, Nolan, and I love it so much. That's maybe what slightly, again, that's maybe what slightly disappointed me. I mean, not disappointed, it just sort of, not that it didn't sit right either. Maybe just caught me unexpected about about this version of Phantom of the Opera was that it, for me, just had too little horror in it. That's fair. But uh, overall, I, I guess we can say it's a good experience. 
Oh, absolutely, and it's a beautiful movie. And if you if you want to watch a an opera musical version of Phantom of the Opera that isn't the stage musical, this is the best thing to go to. If you want more Claude Rains in your life playing another iconic monster, then go to this one. I mean, watch The Invisible Man, obviously, from 33. But go to this one as well. There's nothing wrong with this movie at all. It's, it's, a, it's a great movie. It's just a completely different take on it. Um, yeah. And we have to get used to that. We have to get used to that if we're going to have more Universal Monster movies these days like we've just had with Invisible Man. I'm going to have to stop being so stubborn. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I can say. Uh, we can use that to actually transfer into the news section recently. I read Elizabeth Banks is making the Invisible Woman, or as Elise has pitched it. And uh, okay. potential spoilers for the for the new Invisible Man. So turn away if you haven't seen that. Uh, could you possibly follow on with Elizabeth Moss's character because she has the suit, and she then does. do the kind of Claude Rains? going mental with power kind of story with her. Mm, I would kind of like that a lot. Are you suggesting that are you suggesting that Elizabeth Moss travels to a rural English village? Maybe. Yes. Or would that become too similar? Uh, then I think it becomes too similar. But keep it with I'd like that. Go mad with power. Because to be fair, look at whatever his face was in this new Invisible Man. The dude from Haunting of Hill House. He went pretty mad with power. I mean, he kind of a terrible person. A, a horrible human being. And it was very satisfying at the end when he gets what's coming to him. I mean, what what was so impressive, I think, actually, about, about the end of the new Invisible Man, was that you it made you think... Just for a split second. Wait a minute. Was it his brother the whole time? Was it? Was he actually it not a part of it? In your mind. It created that doubt in your mind. And that is such a testament to the quality of writing in that movie. That it makes you feel like you yourself watching it are just as affected by Griffin as, Eliz- as Elizabeth Moss was. And, think, you, uh, you know, I, I really liked that they called him Griffin again. I really liked they kept his name. I know he was called Aiden Griffin in this new one, but keep the Griffin. He's always called Griffin. I think we have to give a big round of applause to Lee Winnell, who started out as the other victim in Saw and the co-writer and has now done, yeah. what's he done now, Insidious 3, Upgrade, and now The Invisible Man. He's getting the guy's better on a better. good ride. Yeah, he's getting better and better. Um, well done, Lee Winnell. Like we said, give him, give him the invisible, uh, give him the Phantom of the Opera. See what he can do with that. See what he can do with a modern Phantom of the Opera. Maybe I don't know because you can't really call it Phantom of the Opera. Could you call it Phantom of the Opera, but it not be about an opera? You could just call it the Phantom. The Phantom. Ooh. <gasps> yes, the Phantom. Ooh. What are we calling? <laughs> what? Are, what are we call? Oh, I can't wait to see more of these. I'm sorry. I just want to see more. I just this want to see more. This is the cinematic quality. universe that we all wanted. It it like, really when is. When we first started talking about like the mummy and stuff, we thought, yeah, Blumhouse should take these movies yeah. and do their own take on them. It really is. 
That's a oh. lot better than Russell Crowe in a really silly Jekyll and Hyde accent. It's better than Tom Cruise <laughs> running, and it's better than the wasted talent of Sofia Patella. Yeah. That's what we need as well, you know. Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde be very easy to do. I mean, it wouldn't be easy to do, obviously, because movies aren't easy to make. But you know what I mean? It's very easy to modernise something like Jekyll and Hyde. Very easy. Just keep Russell Crowe away from it. All you do is you just get... Mind you, we almost... We, we kind of almost had Jekyll and Hyde with Split. It was just too much Jekyll and Hyde. There, just, there wasn't two people. There was like 24 people. I could see James McAvoy playing Dr. Jekyll pretty well. But he's already done it. In split, <laughs> more than he need, more than he would need to for a Jekyll and Hyde. But ultimately, I think mm, maybe the fact that we ha- that we have had split and and glass and things recently, stay away from Jekyll and Hyde for a little bit because people might start, you know, comparing. Well, we just had yeah. this with split. Um, but go to Phantom. I would say go and try and do. Go and try and do. Hmm. Mm, no, I was going to say Dracula again, but don't go and try and do Dracula again. We just had a new Dracula thing. So. I know, and that went bad apparently, didn't it, towards the end? Yeah. I I would um, say may, maybe give the Wolfman another shot. We had... Mm, maybe. I just feel you need one that's a very human story because the invisible man obviously is is kind of a a human story and it's the most scientific of them all so it kind of makes the most sense in a way mm-hmm. I, st- I, th- I do think you could do dracula well and almost not make it about a vampire Almost yeah, make it remember, somebody who... we still have that robert eggers nosferatu thing coming as well oh that's true Ah, it's all craziness. Horror's still in a good place. It's all going to be okay in the end, Nolan, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, I, I'm kind of just wanting Robert Pattinson to play Nosferatu. God. Oh, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. Look, Pattinson's, Pattinson's appallingly handsome. You could make him ridiculously ugly if you wanted to, though. He's got the face with a bit of prosthetic on it that would look horrendous. It would look ghoulish and monstrous. Because of his big cheekbones, you can really, really kind of make him look like a skeleton if you want to. And, and you know why in the new version, Nosferatu would be wanting to kill people? Because he because... hates Willem Dafoe's cooking. Because <laughs> he hates, exactly. He does not, he's not fond of the lobster. No. And he instead just wants a mermaid. Yes. That is Damn exactly ye. That is exactly the Nosferatu movie we are after. Nolan, are we gonna wrap it up there? I, I think, think we can. I, I don't have any other news things to bring up other than the fact the Artemis Fowl trailer looks fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been so excited about that. This is going to be another Percy Jackson situation. I can feel it. Oh. Well, I'm sure we'll be hearing you complaining about it for the end of... till the end of time. 
It's so, such uh, a waste. They ha- I think the movie's look is cool. Like, the characters are well cast, but why are they making Artemis Fowl a fucking good boy who wants to save the world? He's a fucking criminal villain. Jesus, Disney. Because Disney can't do that. Disney have to make it. Ooh, who, this who, is nice. Jack Sparrow is one of the most popular protagonists, and he's a drunk loser. You can yeah, easily make a villain the hero. Ultimately, Jack Sparrow has a heart. and So does Artemis Fowl. That's his growth. <laughs> and Jack Sparrow's also based on a ride. Yeah, I suppose based Disney, on a book that, isn't enough for Disney. That Disney have always owned. Pirates uh, of the Caribbean has always been Disney. Thanks to the ride. I was so excited for this Artemis Fowl movie. Then I saw that trailer and I'm like, fucking hell. Well... I guess we're starting so, yeah. off a new decade with a new Percy Jackson equivalent. But we're also starting off a new decade with positive, positive, positive Universal monster movies. Fair so, enough. If that's the price I have to pay, I'm yeah. alright with it. Isn't that a good I'll great just read the books thing. again. Sure. Read the books again. Hell, read the Invisible Man book as well. It's a funny book. Yes. Oh, and uh, I saw Onward last oh, week. Oh, did you? It's fine. Okay. It's fine, is it? That's a shame. It, it, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are great. I like the whole look of the movie. The queer representation in it was fucking embarrassing. Well, Disney. Well done, uh, Disney. Well, you know what you know what Disney's gonna do though. Disney's just gonna say, "Hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually gay," and then we we'll never talk about it ever again. Yep. Cut it out Isn't for that, the Chinese release. Is that, is that pretty much what happened? The character says, oh, I have a girlfriend, and then it's never brought up again. Yes, that's it. Oh. Mm. You don't even oh, see the girlfriend. The, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll be patting themselves on the back about that as well. They'll be going, yes, well done will. us, well done us, let's applaud ourselves. Let's applaud ourselves. Do it properly, come on. Get get a bit of boldness, please. Look, this is this is again. I love Disneyland. I have my problems with Disney. That's always been my stance. Disneyland's just the best place, apart from the fact that it's too expensive. But that's also on Disney. That's not on the theme park and the quality of it. Yes, and uh, we did get a new trailer for Jungle Cruise today. <laughs> Screw it, that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I, need I want, that. I want a good fun adventure movie, but I don't know. I don't need that. The only Jungle Cruise I need is some f- fool making silly jokes throughout my entire ride. I don't it's need only a matter of time before they try to do Haunted Mansion again. Now, I have a little bit of fondness for that Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie. Probably because you saw it as a kid. Yes, absolutely, because I saw it as a kid. It, it's not great. But ultimately, do I enjoy watching it? Kinda, kinda, yeah. Do I enjoy the ride more? Sure, it's great. But do I do I actually enjoy that movie? I, I do. It's a little bit of a guilty pleasure because it's not that great. It's not that great at all. But it has Terence Stamp in it, and what more do you want? Eddie Murphy going up against Terence Stamp as a villain. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Well, I think Eddie that'll Murphy, wrap us Eddie, up then. 
Eddie Murphy's the new Superman facing Zod. That's that's all what we want. That's just what we want. Yes, Nolan, you are right. We will wrap us up there. Phantom of the Opera 1943 is what we have been talking about today for episode 99. A lovely movie. A beautiful movie to watch. A lavish production. Glorious technical. Wonderful Claude Rains. But a very inaccurate adaptation of the story of the Phantom of the Opera. I think we are all in agreement there. Indeed. There we go, guys. That is going to do it. If you would like to send in voice messages for any of the shows on that we have on this feed, you can head over to Anchor and do that. There is a link in the description also of every episode on this feed, whatever podcast platform you are listening on, to go and leave us a voice message. Uh, we love playing them. We love getting them. They make us feel great. It's great. Um, we also have Patreon dot com slash it's a wonderful one it's a wonderful podcast on patreon follow us uh, there check out the tiers all that good stuff find the show well it's well for one it's a wonderful podcast the main show is not the only show we have on this feed we also have morgan hasn't seen every wednesday with me and janine uh the silly show we like to call it we are still talking movies about television um this week we had an episode talking about ed tv the Matthew McConaughey movie that's very, very clever, actually. A really smart comment on, on reality TV and privacy. I enjoyed it a lot. Ron Howard directed that movie. Um, all right, all right, all right. Exactly. And next week we have one of truly the most bizarre things I've seen in a long time. Uh, we will be talking about Stay Tuned uh, from 1992. On Morgan hasn't seen next week. Uh, we also have Machine Mondays every Monday with Janine talking all the her schmodown things, and this show every Friday. And next week, like we said, is the big episode 100. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. We have something special for you for that great episode. And uh, yeah, good things. Good things. Here's to another hundred episodes of wonderful podcast. The main show. What do you say, Nolan? Uh, I what, what do I say about getting to a hundred and to another hundred? What do you, what, what what do you say about another hundred? Are you are you are you not intrigued? Let's see. Uh, that'll take us to twenty twenty two. Yeah, my schedule's pretty open. Lovely, lovely stuff. There we go. That's going to do it, guys. Find the show, find the feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else. Everywhere, it's going to be great. Twitter. At it's a wonderful one. I am on Twitter at the purple dome with a three instead of the e in the because three is the magic number. Or on Instagram at the purple don Nolan. All your good stuff is at Nolan Dean two seven at Twitter. The life and times of Nolan Dean on Instagram and Nolan Dean on YouTube, where I will hopefully be putting up another video this month on the stories as lessons. I'm still struggling on what to do. I might be doing something on. Did you ever see the TV show Fillmore? I have heard of it, yes. Yes, very underrated Disney animated show that's basically like Miami Vice, but in a middle school. It's hilarious. Okay. okay. I might be doing one on the show House, which I assume you haven't seen. Okay. The the, the, the Hugh Laurie Doctor yep. House. Sherlock yeah. Holmes in a hospital. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, 
I may be doing one on the Amazing Spider-Man. Who knows? Because my Bond one has been delayed. God damn it, Bond! Ruined the whole thing by delaying your movie. Goddamn viruses! Uh, at least I have time now to save up for a nice tuxedo for the video. Ooh, lovely, lovely stuff. Get yourself, get yourself some. Uh... I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. Up the production value with some costuming. Lovely stuff. Yeah. I like it. There we go, guys. That is going to do it for this episode of the main show. Until next time, there's only one thing left for me to do, and that is to ask Nolan to see us out. Looks like I'm not the only adaptation snob on this show. You finally joined me. Bye, guys. Yes, I suppose I did do that today. Bye. <laughs>